Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. As a lot of our really dedicated listeners uh, noted, we missed a week last week. Uh, Events sort of conspired against us for for the first time, really, in 55-plus episodes that we weren't able to get one out uh, on the off or on the other week. I don't know how—how do you say that? The bye week? I'm not not exactly sure how you say the the other week of every other week. But anyway, while we're back this week, here we are. Thank you to everyone who asked about how we were doing. We uh, are doing just fine and— and that's a pretty reasonable question in this day and age to to ask if everybody's okay when when you don't hear from them for just a little while. So uh, we're all fine. Everything's everything's good. We just um, we just ended up missing a week. But here we are, and I'm uh, excited about today because this is sort of my favorite kind of episode where I'm going in almost completely blind. I'm not sure what you guys have in store other than we're talking about when good words go bad. And I'll, I'll try to throw a bunch of reverb on there and we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah, I know. it sounds like a a good harm we should do this for halloween actually <laughs> yes we're talking about words that started out with nice happy fun good meanings and then they turned evil they got bad meanings and now word changes word meanings change a lot over time in almost all languages the technical term is semantic change but a lot of times with these words you'd never believe what they initially or originally meant And we're going to start with one word, bully. We hear a lot about bullying in schools. We hear a lot, the usage of the word we hear a lot. And we know what it means nowadays. It means someone cruel to people or those who are weaker. And that usage dates way back to 1538 is the earliest that Oxford could find. But it used to have a nice meaning. And we're going to give Fletcher a little quiz. And we're going to see if he can guess what the original meaning was. Okay? Well, I I don't believe I can guess. Uh, I've heard I've heard a phrase I've heard the phrase like "bully for you" or whatever that means. Well, Fletcher, we're going to give you three. We're, we're going to be kinder to you. We're going to give you three choices. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Okay, and we have like behind curtain number one, we have this meaning: <laughs> a target on a tree for arrows, as in bullseye. Okay, number two, a sweetheart or a lover. Number three. The stomach, particularly the fourth stomach of an animal or of a ruminant. All right. This is sort of you guys would be good at those games where you have to make up lies and try to get other people to guess your lies is the truth and you get points for it. You know, oh, yeah. Sort of like to tell the Because um, yeah. those are all really good. But I'm thinking of that phrase bully for you. And I'm going to go with the bullseye. Wrong. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the answer is number two. Bully. They think now used to mean a sweetheart or lover. Oh, wow. Which you would never have guessed. I mean, in fairness, I don't think I would have. But, yeah, they're not positive, but they think it came from the old Dutch word bol, B-O-E-L, meaning lover. It's a lover of either sex, and they also could have meant also just brother, but but mainly lover. Um, some people always think that it's bulls. You hear, like you said, with you hear the word bull, but they think it's Dutch or German, um, and it was applied to either sex, and it meant like 
later on, it first it started out as an endearment thing. So my lover, my bully, which sounds so odd, you know, my dear bully. Then it later on went was applied to only men, not to women. But it, and it wasn't lover then. It was more like friendly admiration. You're my good friend. You're a fine fellow. You're a bully guy, which is kind of now getting a little more like your T.R. Teddy Roosevelt sort of feeling to me. Don't you think, guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. However, I have a question. Um, we'll, but- we'll go to that in a minute when we talk about T.R. Because I have a different analysis on that part. But go on, Kath. And then um, it went to the 1600s. It was so it was it was bully. Everything's bully. You found it in Shakespeare. They talked about a bully button and a bully doctor, a fine fellow, a bully fellow was in Henry V. In the 1600s, it started getting a little more uh, blustering. Someone like like aggressive. Like it was, it was a gallant still. It was, it was still somewhat sort of brave and swashbuckling, but a little more overly done. And it also meant a protective of a prostitute at that time, which fits again with that sort of brave, tough kind of guy. And then it kept going downhill from there on. And it ended up, uh, I love this, the OED described it as a tyrannical, a tyrannical coward who makes himself a terror to the weak, which is right before what we have now. So there you have it. So during the 17th century, you get to the negative. Which gets to another point, though. We have one positive use remaining, and that tends to come from Teddy Roosevelt, who used bully... And then the he basically he, we don't use it bully like he would do bully for you or bully this or bully that, but he did have a phrase that I think we're fairly familiar with called bully pulpit. Fletcher, you know that phrase, don't you? Sure, yeah. That's that's when uh, like the president is able to use his stature and his his microphone essentially to push for what he wants to to be able to enact. Exactly, and the, interestingly enough, on bully pulpit is a phrase. It was big under TR, and then it gradually went downhill till by the, like the 70s, it was very rarely used, and then it scorched upwards again for some reason. Now it's being used quite a bit. But my question with Kathy, when she said it was going negative, bully pulpit, to me, strikes me as sort of like, well, Teddy Roosevelt used it a lot. Bully for you, bully this, bully that. And I'm wondering if he used it sort of like damned fine. Were damned still retains. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. His bully definitely was, was he meant it as like excellent, like that's fabulous. Oh, I agree, bully. But, it, but it still has a negative. It didn't like retain the positive as in Shakespeare with the bully, you know, a bully fellow. I think it, it got negative and then it, and then it switched to positive. Uh, who knows? I'm just guessing. Do you see what I'm saying? He's sort of using it as an as an enhancer, regardless of of whether it's a positive or negative thing. Like you said, like damned fine, damned wouldn't be a positive thing, but when you put it in that context, it is. Or saying something is good as hell, right? Exactly. That's yeah. What I meant. Yeah. So now I'm curious, though. I, where did he get it from? A couple of etymological books that it survived as a positive, and I don't think it did. I think it became a negative and then switched, like we said, to damned in that sense. That's all. But we have another word now, Fletcher. Kathy's going to take over here with... Oh, this is We have another little test for you, Fletcher. Now another good word turned bad. The word silly. <laughs> did silly initially mean one, sylvan, you know, as in the huntsman tracked a deer in the silly glade, two, 
pious. <laughs> These are fun. St. John blessed the three silly brethren or helpless with innocence. The wolf shall lie among the silly sheep. Okay. Thinking about, oh, that's so hard. I want to go with C this time. Three, okay. Actually, interestingly enough, Fletcher, you're partially correct. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Boy, today I'll take that. <laughs> this was like one of those trick ones that you get. There were two that actually could have uh, could have worked on this one. Oh, well, thank you for being so generous as to give me, <laughs> give me one where I had two shots at it. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's funny because, okay, the, the original, obviously the ri original silly meant, uh, means... I mean, the silly we have now means someone who acts silly in a daft manner. But the word around um, 1200, it meant pious. And then it meant, then it kind of like evolved and merged into someone who, who could be pitied. So you might say in that sense, it almost would be innocent. But I, I think um, then it, in the 12 or 1300s, then it went to harmless, then to pitiable, then to weak, then to feeble. Then on to and then on to uh, foolish, etc., which we know today. Now, the interesting thing about this word is it not only changed in terms of meaning, it also changed in pronunciation, and it's one of the few words in the English language where the long e sound changed to e. In that sense, it used to be pronounced "seely," which sounds really ugly. I don't like it. "Seely," do you? And it comes from uh, an old English word, gasilig, which means happy, prosperous. And then um, from there, it, it came on into, into English. And then it, as it did come into English, the long E became shortened to I. And we have another, there's one other word actually that does. And I used to pronounce this incorrectly. It's B-R-E-E-C-H-E-S. It's breeches, not breeches. Mm, right. And the American long E, uh, which in Canada they still pronounce it, I would hear it incorrectly, B-E-E-N. Dan Aykroyd always goes bean. We would pronounce it as bin. But that was very good. I'm very proud of you. Mm, that was mildly good. I, I, the, I think, I mean, I think it's pretty apparent that the pious is the real answer there. Uh, I'm I'm a little curious how it, it moved from pious to maybe not so far as to be um pitiable but but like harmless well i was gonna say at first because from 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 pious it went to innocent so it would be someone who was like I, a pure okay could i chuck in something right here this is sort of an interesting parallel construction you know the word cretin yeah sure cretin actually comes originally believe it or not from christian oh no I, did, I didn't know that. It was used in the Swiss Alps to refer to someone with, uh, with a mental weakness. But the idea was that he would have, the person would have a childlike innocence and therefore would not commit bad, you know, grave sins. In effect, a fool of God. And then from there, it obviously, you know, merged into, into something, you know, uh, with a mental deficiency. But the idea of that innocence, I think we can see with pious and how it changed, the idea of being pious you're going to be innocent because you're not going to be uh cruel or sinful so i think the same thing probably occurred with um silly silly i was gonna say i kind of like silly better than silly silly 
I mean, I know when it was pronounced Sealy, it was when it was wholly positive and it meant like pious or blessed or fortuitous. But Sealy sounds silly to me. It sounds sillier than silly, doesn't it? That's very Sealy. Yeah, doesn't it? He's so Sealy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> so should we go on? Yeah. What's up next? Okay, now this one, we're not going to even bother with a quiz because uh, we, we assume <laughs> <laughs> that you know the original meaning. Oh, so you can oh, well, chime you. in if you, if you do. <laughs> You're being even the more generous. The word is demagogue. Oh, okay. Okay, the Do you know what the original meaning, meaning was? The original meaning? I, I actually don't. I, I don't I don't know what the original meaning was. Fletcher, you do too. Okay. It, <laughs> Tell me, what, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> what you know, it's a popular leader from the Greek... Ross will pronounce it correctly. Ross, pronounce the Greek correctly for us. Uh, Demagogos. Demagogos. <laughs> leader of the people. <laughs> From people, demos. And I keep wanting to say agogo. This <laughs> is leading or guiding. Actually, be agogos, because the accent's on the last one. Ago- Sorry. Agogos. Yeah. Okay. So it's demos agogos. But now, so it originally just meant popular leader, nice and easy. But now, I think as you do know, it has it has uh, negative connotations. It's a it's a politician, it's a panderer, someone who plays on the people's emotions and prejudices. And that started in what the 1600s. We started getting the negative sense. I mean, before that, it was just a leader of the masses. But it was even then someone who swayed the people through persuasion and oratory, and. Um, since it was actually, though, wait a second. Now, I just saw something that said since it was first used, it was even back then sometimes used as a disparagement. Is that true, though? Uh, the Greek, Athenians were, were very complicated, very, speaking as people of Irritating Greek background. People. Yeah, they're very <laughs> annoying people. We know for a fact because we have a lot of family in Athens. And I do think mm-hmm. it was used a long time ago as a negative as well. I think it went into the into the uh, later world as sort of a kind of come see, come saw. But um, the really negative meaning, I mean, it could be either, it could kind of go either way. Afterwards, it, it, it acquired a very negative meaning. Well, from the 1600s on, was it was very negative. But you're saying prior to that, we sort of could go either way. Yeah. Sometimes it was just a popular leader. Other times it was a negatively popular leader. Is there maybe someone in particular that people were thinking of when this started to change to a very, very negative thing? I'm just curious if there were any particular leaders that uh, hastened this change. That's an excellent question, which means I'm not sure and I'm looking it up <laughs> <Sure>. right now. <laughs> Let's just chat for a moment, shall we? That's a really good question. Russ, do you know offhand? I'm curious. I'm, I'm looking. No, they said 1640s, and I'm sort of wondering if that would be Oliver Cromwell. Because that would come around, um, it would be the Roundheads. That would be his time in England. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just guessing because that was the English Revolution, and that was the you know divine right of kings ended with someone getting the crowd to... Mm-hmm. Um, go against the king so that would be my and if they say to change in the 1640s that would seem to be the only okay i've got an example from the oxford um oed has an example from milton but they don't say who it is the king by his leave cannot coin english as he could money to be current those demagogues saving his greek were good patriots i don't even know what he's talking about in that <laughs> <laughs> to be honest but it's, oh, the portraiture of his sacred majesty and his solitudes and suffering. So that would make sense again, Ross, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was, uh, what's his face is, yeah, 
Charles I. Yeah, it's an answer to that. Exactly, yeah. You said that earlier on it was... It could sort of be a negative thing. Is this sort of like maybe the word populist is now for us? Very good. I think so. Fletcher redeems himself on this. Yes, I think it's very good. You made up for not defining it at the beginning now. (laughs) You get extra credits. (laughs) I think that's excellent. I think that's exactly it. There's actually a Latin word, not to be overly pedantic here, but there was a Latin word sort of similar called plebicola, which was a guy who cultivates... The common people, plebs are, plebs are populist, common people, cholera is to cultivate. So I think Fletcher's completely on it there. I got to say, demagogue sounds a lot better than pleblicola, though. <laughs> don't, don't you think? I don't like pleblicola. <laughs> pleblicola sounds like some sort of growth on your body that you don't want to talk about. Okay, now on to another Latinate, well, this is a Latinate word, um, egregious. We know what it means now. It means remarkably bad. So in the old meaning, door number one is easily overlooked. Door number two is extremely tiresome. Door number three is remarkably good. Original meaning. I'm throwing out extremely tiresome just based on the fact that you guys said they, these things used to be good, although the first one wasn't particularly good either. I'm, I'm going with, I'm, I want to go with easily overlooked, though. Okay. <laughs> Almost. Okay, it's wrong. <laughs> and the only one of those three that was that was good is remarkably good. And you were right. You, I was ready to cry because you were so close. You were there. You picked the wrong door, but you almost picked the right door. Yes, <laughs> it was originally, it meant something remarkably good. It's a really easy etymology or background to it. It's from the Latin word, and it comes from, uh, it's a, it's a mashup of two words, ex, which means out of, and then grex, which for various semantic reasons is Greg when it's in this form, which is out of the flock. So it's something that's remarkably uh, good that's picked out of the flock. And it was used like that for, it was used like that in Latin. It was very good all along in Latin. And uh, it was used that way until the, easily into the mid 1500s. Thomas Hobbes, the famous English philosopher, once told a friend in a flattering term, I am not so egregious a mathematician as you are. And he was not being a snot or snarky. He meant it in the best possible way. Somehow, though, in the 1500s, it turned. And egregious now means remarkably bad. Why? One big guess is it's actually what I just said earlier, snark. People are using it in a kind of snarky, sarcastic way. And they think in that sense, it became annoying. And in some cases now, though, there have been some cases where people are noticing it's lost that remarkably bad and more just like annoying, like an egregious jerk. I don't know if you guys, I I think of it almost always as remarkably bad. But some people are saying the meaning, the bad meaning is beginning to soften again. I think you're right, because I, I mean, not you're right. I, I think they're right when they say it's softening. I have noticed that. I've seen egregious sprinkled in just for like things like, you know, an egregious meal or more like an irritation, something that's like sort of annoying as opposed to something that's awful. Really? I, have, I, have, I haven't seen that. Egregious is always remarkably bad when I've seen it. Interesting. I've seen, I've seen it differently. I could just be reading like the wrong things. I just wanted to say that the thing I really like about Ross, when you were saying it's snark, it's kind of like I could care less. Remember, we've talked about that because it's like it always I couldn't care less. We always say. Right. But I could care less. We said is a sarcastic thing. So 
kind of egregious when it changed. Isn't that kind of like I could care less? It was like the 16th century equivalent of, of, of that sort of sarcastic, like, yeah, right, egregious. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, Fletcher, we're going to ask you a quick word here. If you know, we're talking, we've talked a while about good words going bad. Do you know the term that we would use for this? This is really mean to Fletcher today. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fun. <laughs> He's going to get us one of these days, so let's watch it. I mean, I, I feel bullied today because my performance has been egregious, but no, I have, I have no idea. What's, what's the word? There are two, actually, words we can say. What the words are going undergoing here is something called, technically called, pejoration. That doesn't sound very pleasant. No, it does. It means good words going bad. It sounds like plebiscola. <laughs> and the technical word uh, for this sort of thing, another technical word is, Kathy could do the Greek. Oh, gosh, why are you making me do the Greek again? Cata, catacresis. Catacresis. <laughs> it's the Greek kata, bad, chrysis uh, 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 would be like bad uh, meaning. So you're changing the meaning for the words. But going back to pejoration comes from pejorative. Oh, because sure. it's becoming. Okay. It's, it's. I. I just wanted to make that clear. So it's. It's something that used to have a positive sense. Now it's. It's undergone pejoration. It's pejorative now. It's. It's. It's gotten. It's gotten downgraded. Yeah, that makes. I couldn't see the word in my head, so that wasn't connecting. But that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay, so we have a couple more quickies. Okay, you ready? Now the word lewd. L e w d. Did it mean? It's <laughs> a tough one. Did it mean hidden? Did it mean non-ecclesiastical or did it mean tired? This is the longest I've taken on any of them. And that's because in most cases, I thought there's no point in trying to reason this out. It's just not going to happen for me. No, and you got to just guess. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way about this one. I just paused for longer. So I'm going to go with uh, hidden. Non-ecclesiastical. Okay, and actually, sure. this one, when you think about it, I'm looking at, because the Old English, I can never pronounce, I cannot pronounce Old English for the life of me. And when I studied Chaucer, I actually got criticized for sounding too Norwegian. So I'm not going to, but it's spelled L-A-E-W-E-D, which you think does have lay in it from non-ecclesiastical, like a lay person. Yeah, definitely. When you think about it. And it's so also... The problem, it's Go also on. something I, I I have no idea if this is the path it took, but it's also something that I could imagine would lead to the meaning it has now. I mean, if it if it doesn't relate to the church, then it might be uh, opposite to the church's teachings or something like that. And so it, actually, you're 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 really close because because it went from lay or non ecclesiastical to uneducated because because the, the 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 religious were the ones you know who were who were much more well read, et cetera, et cetera. And then so then it went from lay to uneducated to vulgar and low class and now then to like ignorant and then to sexually insinuating so it's like you're getting yeah it just goes like sort of nasty if you will that's a really interesting one okay the next one i'm going to go for another word puny okay now puny does it mean uh, what, what does puny mean right now we know did orig the original term puny mean weak of muscle um a junior or recently admitted student in a school or university or a servant or particularly a servant boy. The first one's too close to what it means now. A, a puny. Uh, the, I don't like I don't I don't like any of them, um, but <laughs> the, the, the least like what I think of now is the recent 
admission to the university. Yay! You got it. Oh, God. You got it. Finally, I got one. Excellent. Puny is a really cool derivation that I had no idea of. It comes from a phonetic spelling of the French word puine. Pui, which is later, P-U-I-S, and ne, which is born, later born. And it was usually, and it, it basically meant a, a later born student who's therefore a junior in the school. And then from there it came to be, mean someone inferior in rank. And then from there it became someone who's of course later born Usually the older is stronger, and then it became weak, small, and significant. I really like that. Kind of like the run of a litter. Yeah, that one. I like that one too. And Kath, you had something on that too, didn't you? Though this one, yeah, this. The minute Ross said he wanted to do puny, I got interested because I, I, I used to read the Betsy Tacey books. They're really famous. There's a whole series of them. I forget when they were written, but they're, uh, you know, they're they're girls' books. Uh, young girl growing up in I think Minnesota. Anyway, they have a housekeeper, Anna Swenson, and she used to, in the books, use it as a compliment. She would go, oh, dear, you look so puny. And then she would talk about her former family that she worked for, the McCloskeys, and she'd say, they were the puniest people you can imagine. And I was fascinated as a kid, because I'd never heard puny being used, like, as a, in, a, in a positive sense. But, and I looked it up, and no one no one had ever heard it either i mean like a, it was just supposed to be a thing that anna did but i'm wondering if it was like a uh because uh, she was i guess swedish or norwegian i forget which she was scandinavian and now i'm wondering and i want to look back and see if there is some sort of weird offshoot of puny as a positive like you know because the youngest is often the cutest you know what i mean the cute little kitty yeah the cute little puppy mm-hmm. i wonder okay what do we do let's say two more how about I'm on a roll. Uh, I got one in a row so far, so um, <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. So then, going. Ross, maybe we should do hussy. Okay, hussy. We know the current meaning of hussy. Okay, I, I find it interesting that you're saying hussy and, and, and Kathy's saying hussy. Well, it's technically- I would it say be hussy. Hu- it, it should be hussy. I'm pronouncing it the old way because I did the research on Ross it. is speaking Middle English for us. Kathy <laughs> no, is completely correct. I'd be correct in old England, so- Very good. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so hussy can mean here a small house or home, particularly one in a rural area, a peasant hoer, that's difficult, so a peasant who uses the hoe as in a rural sort of thing, or the mistress of a household. It's going to be weird to me if it doesn't still relate to a person. Uh, I, mm, I think I'm just going to go with the peasant for fun. Okay, that was fun, and I, I'm thinking you did that for fun because I think you had the right idea. Interestingly enough, hussy comes from uh, it's a uh, it's an alteration of of huswif, I guess is how you pronounce it, which means oh. basically a mistress of a household. And I didn't really think of it that much, but the hussy part of the hus part is house, and then the whiff part got into um kind of like merged in together so it became a um it became huzzy pronounced and then it switched but it was written with an s and then it switched in the 20th century to match the uh, spelling so it became hussy but it really it, it really started out just meaning simply the the mistress of a household a, a woman who controls a house and then it gradually kind of expanded to a woman or girl and then from there, it got um, 
a woman or girl who shows casual or, quote, improper behavior. And then from there, <laughs> huzzy, which we now know. And then from there, huzzy is a sense of like a, a very improper woman. And then from there, hussy, which we know now. But interestingly enough, it sort of got me with the house part because I never thought of hussy as related to house. But and then husband is related to house too. I never. Do you guys ever think of that or not? No, not once. I'm revealing no. my, my lack of etymological knowledge because husband is master of the house. Hus is house and bond is a peasant or uh, is to dwell, the person who lives in the house. But I didn't realize that husband would have that. I didn't realize that at all. It had nothing to do with the house. I'm just curious though why it switched in the 1600s to be especially applied to someone like a, a woman or girl who was, you know, quote, improper, unquote. Like Ross was saying, first it was any woman or girl. First it was housewife, then it was any any female. Then it was woman, a female showing improper behavior or whatever, behaving improperly. But then it was housewife again, hmm. and then it got bad again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just this weird roller coaster. It was funny because I looked up, I've looked up over the years even a lot of like why pejoration, and there were a lot of these big mm-hmm. articles talking about why why does why do words change? What why does semantic shift occur? And really, no one has the answer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of pejoration occurs just because of sarcasm or whatever. How's the how's the wife? How's the mistress of the house? From there, you know, you, you hate her, whatever, for some reason or another. You start using the term in a sarcastic manner, and then it goes from there. I think that's what occurs. Yeah, well, we go back to uh, egregious. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think snark and sarcasm has a lot to do with words like this changing their, their meanings. And not like the polarity of their meanings. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely think that's the reason. In this case, what fascinated me was that... Um, that housewife and I can't pronounce it huswife h-u-s-w-i-f-e for a while coexisted yeah because I never knew that apparently huswife or hussy were the bad and housewife was the good so you had like for a while the 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 same in effect the same word but just an older spelling and a more modern spelling were were coexisting and and applied to two different um types of individual which is odd to me another thing I think is interesting about this whole topic here is we have husband, which we have an element of misogyny here. The two words, the two words we're referring to with women have can have bad connotations to them. Husband, I can't find anything where it's, it's it has a bad connotation, a flagrant bad husband in any no, sense whatsoever. No, I can think of other bad words for a man, but not a husband. Not a husband, but I think that. But in, for the words for a man, though, I don't think. I mean, this this is right off the top of my head right now but i'm just wondering like bully obviously would tend to be more for i guess a male but it could be it it, it can be either way the woman uh, some of the bad woman's words seem to be specifically for women in a misogynist sense maybe i'm wrong i don't know i mean we can't be surprised by that no (laughs) i was thinking the same thing (laughs) we're gonna go to another word right here which is let's do this as a fletcher guesses the original meaning of the word Oh, God. Okay. Okay, Fletcher, we have the word <laughs> appeasement. And now this is final jeopardy, and you have to write. <laughs> okay, so the word is appeasement. Um, originally, let's see. It, I mean, yeah, everything you've given me so is so far away from what I would expect just, just based on how the word sounds or anything like that. This episode has been a complete faceplant for me. I, I want to say something that's a, uh, 
appeasing. I mean, it's something that appeals to you. I I don't know. It's it's something that's that's pleasant. I'm I'm not I'm not sure what the word could possibly mean. Well, Fletcher, I hope you didn't bet too much on your final Jeopardy quest. Well, I was already <laughs> I was already at like negative five thousand. There's actually though it comes from. This is one that you. I think looking at it helps though. I think seeing it in print. I personally think helps it because it it actually comes from. Pe- pe- pacification when you think about it from a, uh, a whole lot of things but the the root root came from latin uh peace yeah, yeah sure pax. yeah ad ad which means to come to pax so to come to peace the interesting thing mm. about this word which really interested us was that it was not a it, it, it's a very um it's a relatively modern word it comes you know it's we have pacify etc but it wasn't really used in the political sense that we know it until about 1919 it was the first time it was recorded during um and it was used in you know world war after world war one and it, but it had a positive sense then so this is like a really recent pejoration of a word it basically meant to pacify unruly people to calm things yeah calm them down and then we have a man called neville chamberlain who used it with another man uh, named adolf hitler and it, it came to be seen as basically over-pacifying and being overly nice to someone and, in effect, getting bullied, to go back to our first word, by that person. So that's an interesting case of modern pejoration. What's the, was the actual policy called appeasement? Yes. Neville Chamberlain okay. actually mm-hmm. called it appeasement. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that has a lot to do with why that would change. It wasn't just a, a term that people threw on it. That was actually the 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 name for the policy and and it's one that did not work out the one thing i was going to throw out though with appeasement though is it's interesting i i happened to just look it up and apparently there's like a it, it always happens with uh, diplomatic historians or whatever they're now saying that appeasement was probably a decent policy but it was just done wrong which i don't you know who knows i'd have no idea but the post-revisionists are now saying appeasement could be done better and it could have worked if it had been done correctly. I personally don't think so. I think, but whatever. Okay, great. I think um, I did even worse, obviously, than than simple chance would dictate. Um, so that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest here. This was a total setup. You knew it. No. <laughs> it was Ross's idea. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that at your local independent bookstore. Order online if you have to. Also, be sure to check out Kathy and Ross's most recent book, Awkward Moments. That's word, like what we're talking about. Awkward, W-O-R-D. Awkward Moments, a lively guide to the 100 terms smart people should know. And, of course, Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.